0: Jesus also prophesied before his return there'd be terrible famines. And during the 20th century the world's population has tripled and it passed the 6 billion mark. We don't have enough food to feed the people of the world. We don't have enough water for them to drink in the next generation. What's going to happen? Millions of people are starving. I've been to North Korea twice, and in that land which is still a communist country, hundreds of people are starving. We read in our newspapers about the Sudan and other parts of the world where people are starving. The population increase is so great, and our ability to feed them and give them enough water is not there. And then there's the darkness of immorality, which is out of control worldwide, and in our Western societies particularly. Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 1 and verse 21 that man's foolish heart becomes darkened by immorality, adultery, and homosexuality. Jesus told Nicodemus that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. And that's true today. Then there's the darkness of war clouds that are descending on the human race. Jesus predicted that before he returns, there would be wars and rumors of wars. He said nation shall rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Somehow when the Cold War had finished and desert storm was over, we sort of heaved a sigh of relief that the war news was all behind us then we were blindsided by Bosnia and Kosovo and now problem between India and Pakistan and both of them are nuclear powers we don't know where this is going to end yes we do Jesus is going to come and bring peace the scripture says except those days should be shortened no flesh would survive God is going to shorten all that evil and all that suffering and all that destruction with the coming again of the Messiah our Lord Jesus Christ But not only is the fourth watch the hour of blackest darkness it's normally the coldest hour of the night Jesus said that before his return iniquity would abound and the love of many would grow cold and that's happening how many people today in the churches are not red hot for the Lord And we ought to be. We go into church, and we sit down. We don't have any feeling, no desire to help other people, no desire to help our neighbors in trouble, no desire to pray, no desire to study the scriptures, very little desire to hear what the minister has to say. We go into church, and we come out like robots. We're cold. We need to be warmed up. And that's what revival is, and that's what I'm praying, that out of this crusade here in St. Louis and surrounding areas where people have been affected by it, that we will see a touch of revival. We used to... have it. We've read about it in years past in this area of the world whether it's Catholic or Protestant or whoever there was a spiritual renewal and revival but in North America the church just like in Europe has turned cold in many places they deny Jesus altogether they say he's not important Many deny that He's the Son of God and many deny that He rose again from the dead. We're asleep. In Isaiah 21 it says, Watchman, what of the night? The watchman said, The morning coming and also the night. God's people are to be watchmen. And you are to be a watchman. On your watchtower, watching what has happened and then doing something about it by the way you live and by your attitude and by your prayer life and your Bible study I'm thrilled at how many Bible study groups there are that have sprung up across the country that people don't know anything about they may have Pentecostal or Episcopalian or Roman Catholic or whatever as long as they're praying to God in the name of Jesus, I thank God for all of them. God never abolishes the responsibility of the watchman. You're a watchman. We have so many people today that profess Christ even clergy. But we're not warning men and women of their sins and reminding them of the intense darkness of the world's night and that judgment is going to come upon the whole world unless we know Christ as our Lord and Savior. And this sin-sick world doesn't need religious band-aids and philosophical bombs for its spiritual and moral cancers and tumors. It's cold in some of the religious world today. But Jesus warned us that it would be coldest just before the dawn. Did you ever hear the story that happened way back about one of the greatest pitchers that ever lived? His name was Walter Johnson. And he threw a baseball so fast that many batters never saw the ball. It was said that one day he went through his pitching motion and pretended to throw the ball, but he had it in his glove. He actually kept it in his glove. And the umpire shouted, Strike! And the batter turned to the umpire and said, Oh, ump, it was a foot outside. Now we laugh at that and we ought to, but we need to look with understanding at the time it is now. The fourth watch of the night is upon us. Politically, morally, economically, and perhaps even religiously, the world is dark. And as we wait for the dawn, there should be a great sense of expectation among Christian believers everywhere. If you've ever camped out in the woods and in the solitude of the night, as you waited for the morning, you began to hear it. You heard it first, the chirping of the birds, the coming alive of the world of nature. This was the first clue of the emerging daylight. And in that time of pre-dawn darkness, when the world was darkest and coldest, you realized that you were already hearing the sounds that signal that the sun was about to rise. Our bright and morning star, the Lord Jesus Christ Himself, is about to shed His light of glory on those who await His coming. The Apostle John says Every man that hath this hope in him purifies himself. We cannot look expectantly for His coming and be contaminated by the conditions of this pre-dawn darkness. If we're not looking for His coming, either we do not love His coming or we're not ready for it. Are you ready for it? Perhaps you're living a distressed and perplexed life. These times of darkness disturb you. You lack the peace and the joy and the assurance that you need, which can only be found in Christ. Let him dispel the darkness of your heart. Let him cast away the coldness of your indifferent spirit. If you're still living in your sins, you're groping in darkness. And how many people are stumbling and groping through life like a blind, crippled man? God's wrath is going to be poured out. You need to receive Christ. And lastly, the hour before the dawn, that darkest and coldest of hours is the sleepiest hour around the clock are you a committed Christian tonight Paul wrote now it is high time to be awake out of sleep for now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed the night is far spent the day is at hand let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light We've all heard so many stories and seen so much television about the Titanic, but I heard about a ship that was coming into a harbor in England or in America in the blackness of night. The passengers knew that there were dangerous rocky reefs all around the harbor and sensed a danger that lurked around the ship. One man went to the captain and asked, how are you so sure that we're not going to capsize and send the ship into the rocks? The captain replied, do you see that red light? You see that green light yonder in the distance? You see that blue light? He said, when they're all lined up in a row and appear to be one light, we can go safely and not fear the rocks so it is we're living in anticipation of the return of our Savior who died on the cross for us and who loves us and who's coming back to rescue us from this terrible world in which we live a beautiful world yes but it grows more terrible all the time study God's word listen to the Holy Spirit Read the signs of the time. Place all these in alignment. And we can know that we're living in the pre-dawn moment. And that at any time, Jesus might come. Are you ready? What do you have to do to be ready? Join some organization? Join another denomination, another church? No being a member of the church is a wonderful thing we ought to all be but that's not what does the trick as far as salvation is concerned you've been baptized many of you have been confirmed but you're not sure that Christ lives in your heart and you're searching you want to be sure you'd like to leave here tonight certain that you're ready to meet Christ when he comes because you see he will not only come in the sky with all the mighty angels with him but he'll also come the moment you die he'll be there and if you put your faith in him and put your hand in his now you can be guaranteed that you're going to heaven to spend eternity with him. As you get older, like me, I read in the paper somebody they interviewed and said, oh, he's such an old man. You're right. But I've got a young heart Heart belongs to Jesus. And because of that, I know that if I died today, I go immediately into the presence of God. What about you? Well, there are three things that you must do or recognize. First, you must repent of your sins. The first sermon Jesus ever proclaimed was, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. What does repentance mean? It means that you change your way of living, change your mind about God, about yourself, about your need of Christ. You say, but I, I can't give up some of the things that I know are wrong in my life. I've tried. I just can't. I'm addicted. I'm hooked. God will help you in your repentance. He'll help you unhook those things that you know are wrong in your life. That's repentance. And then second, secondly, You must believe. You must receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior by faith. You can't understand it all. Jesus went to that cross. Do you know what crucifixion was in those days? The most terrible, agonizing death that you could ever dream. They were scourged. Scourging means that they had long whips and beat the prisoner until he almost died. And then when he was just about dead, they'd take him out and put nails in his hands and a spike through his feet. And he would hang there. His tongue and his mouth growing and swollen and dry. Sometimes it would take hours Or even two or three days for a person to die. That's what Jesus did for you. Because you see, God took all of your sins and mine and put on Him. The real suffering of Jesus, though, was not that physical suffering as bad as it was. His real suffering was spiritual. Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God can't look upon sin and and Jesus was made to be sin for us. He took all of your sins and all of mine and laid on Jesus. He paid the penalty. He went to hell for you. He went to the judgment in your place and my place. Now God says believe on Him. Trust Him. Jesus said I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me but as men has received him to them gave he the power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name just believe repent, believe then follow in obedience to him in studying the scriptures and in prayer and in helping other people and loving your neighbor have you done that? has that happened to you? it can happen in just a moment Many people go through life believing that they're all right just because they have gone through a religious ritual. Whether you're Baptist or Catholic or Methodist, whoever you are, you need to make a commitment of your own to Jesus Christ.